G'day and welcome to episode 52. You nearly stole my thunder there, jumping it on me, attempting to. Only the intros. Only the intros. Pipe down, Robert Dunn. G'day and welcome to episode 52 of the Blow Pod. The Sean Wren. And that is the, the last uh, AFL number we'll be able to use, I'm pretty sure. Oh, except for Strawny. Brian Superstar Strawn, number 59. That's something to look forward to in seven episodes time. Did Sean Wren win his court case against the AFL? Is it against the AFL or the Crows? I can't remember. But yeah, I think it's against the AFL. Yeah, I, it's for the I, I, thing. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. So there we go. We're away yeah. on another episode. Yes. Another flight of fancy. Is that what you want to call it? Oh, sure. By it. all means. So, uh, well, uh, we've, we've got the work experience kids have the day off today. Yeah. It's disappointing. Bagman just messaged me saying he's just spent the last two hours in the sun. I'm assuming he meant sun. <laughs> he also felt the need to correct himself with a message yeah. a few seconds later. Oh, I was going to say... Yeah, yeah. I, I did think I could figure it out myself, but, you know, it's just as well. Uh, the, uh, I, I, could, I was just uh, picturing him sitting there doing arithmetic, you know, working away uh, for hours. Either, either that or uh, getting a little bit too close and personal with a Korean <laughs> child, but... <laughs> There yeah, let's, let's change the topic. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So what's piqued our interest this week? Uh, well, I mean, it's, it is interesting being in the middle of trade week and all, and I think obviously the biggest story at the moment is whether the coal has lost its fizz. Oh, jeez. So uh, the cost of living allowance, Sydney once again using it to, to pilfer a uh, high-profile candidate. In your case, it's probably hitting a little bit closer to home for you than normal being uh, the supporter of oh. the reigning Premier Hawthorne. Yeah. First off, yes. Yes. Don't let Timbo hear me say that. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Reigning Premiers. It was pretty awesome. At least we didn't choke two years in a row. Um, although they were making me a bit nervous in that yeah. third quarter. They, but... say, they saved the choking to Frodo this time around. Oh, yes. The Memorial Leon Davis medalist, as you put it. That's right. Yep. So Following on from following the Following on from Jared Ruffin from... From uh, last year, yeah, Hayden yeah. Ballantyne stepped down his game. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, what, what exactly is the way, what does the Leon right, Davis so, medal okay. look like? I want to uh, know what it looks like. It's pretty obvious what it is. I Leon think it's, it's probably like a, a flaming bag of shit that's left <laughs> yeah. on the doorstep. Yeah, I was going to say, it's a no, turd, it's, yeah, a turd it's, that's been out of the sun for a little bit too long. Or maybe. the sun, perhaps. Yeah, yeah. that's right. But um, Hayden Ballantyne, what a shocker. I mean, it doesn't get any worse for me than his set shot uh, late in the game where he started running in. Um, it looked like he was heading more towards the change rooms than the goals and the shot just missed out of bounds on the full. But he'd, he'd had trouble was keeping his the, feet throughout. Was, he just Was that the one where he torched Michael Walters who was running into an open oh, goal and he decided not I to pass him the ball? Yes, yeah. I'm pretty sure it yeah. was, yeah. But uh, that, I mean, that, that set shot... That could be in a textbook as what not to do it was mm. it was just terrible um so yeah the the leon davis medal yes. we came up with this during the week uh, which was basically in honor of leon da- leon davis who played in three grand finals and sputtered every single one of them up yep and uh, well, actually no he played in four played... and he wasn't too bad in one but he played in three others where he was terrible mm. Mm. and is also i think the only player in history to win a premiership medal without having set foot on the field that Saturday. Correct. Yeah. Um, and so previous winners, we were going through them. The James Podley at Podsy Adley in 2007, the uh, injury substitution, which actually led to Geelong winning the flag. I maintain yeah. that had he stayed on the ground, they would have lost. So yeah, yes. free recruiters, for fuck's sake, take note. 
And that was two two years ago. He's yeah. only gotten shitter since then, and his shorts have only gotten higher. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I Barry Hall in 2006 is probably another... That was another uh, infamous one. I, I think I've talked about the yes, swedge of the footy, which is... I might have mentioned it on a previous podcast. I can't remember. It's worth hearing again. It's a great story, yeah. Um, 2007, the ben, the immortal Ben Cousins comeback game against St Kilda. Barry Hall's Sydney, take... maybe? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's Sorry. <laughs> he did play originally uh, with St Kilda. Still knocks again, Gene. Yeah. <laughs> Again, another really? another just rough, talked about this. Another rough week of uh, <laughs> lining Barry Hall in the pocket, lining up for goal in front of us, and someone in the crowd near us yelling out, "Hey Barry, how many goals did you kick in the grand final last year?" To which he turned around and gave him the finger, and he said, "Yeah, well, not only couldn't you play that day, you can't count either." It was brilliant, zero, not one. <laughs> yeah, <Gold. brilliant>. yeah. <laughs> God bless you. Yeah. Wag yeah. in the crowd. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the, to prove we're playing no favourites, the year before, Sam Butler was a very worthy winner. Oh, pro- Travis Gasper probably gave him a good run for his yeah. money that year, too. Yeah, they were true. they were both pretty much passengers that day, although, mm. the, in their defence, they weren't on the field that much. So, if you were going for someone who's actually on the field, I would have said Michael Gardner would have been a... Uh, a worthy. It's, it was a very competitive field that, that year. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. Probably not as competitive as uh, infamous one nineteen in two thousand and seven. Yes, yeah, so you I, could I, probably have taken the Corns brothers out of the mix and awarded it to almost anybody else on the field for Port that day. But, but there was there was someone else on the field for Port that day. Yeah, well, this is news to me. Well, there, <laughs> there, was, there, there might have been some uh, some point cones on it. <laughs> 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 Jeez, yeah. man, that still just does things to you. It's very strange. Yes, yeah. some, some, some... Eamon Sullivan and the boys really should have warned you first. Yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, oh, my main memory of 2007 is seeing the odds before the game and seeing that Geelong was somehow out to about $1.68. And I remember just running, bolting down to the TAB and I, th- I put some ridiculous amount on them, like $350. Mm. But yeah, I was, I, was, I was a very happy man midway through the second quarter when the yeah. game was over as a contest. I remember... Um... In fact, I think I remember calling you after that, and your response was just, "You got them at a dollar sixty-eight." I'm pretty sure I was. You can I remember. That I, gone out I, I remember I was watching the game, and you can always tell a lot about how the game's going to go in the first ten minutes. And I remember sitting there, and I, I remember saying to to MP, "This is going to get ugly," and I mean twenty goals ugly. <laughs> You're one point off. Yeah, that's right. But that was I, like just from early on, you could just see that that yeah. was how it was going to play out. I think out. they offered a whimper at the start of the second yeah. quarter, and then mm. that was it. They were done. Yeah, <laughs> it the was cue in the rack. Yeah, uh, so. That's what you get for taking so, a bow the week before, Pedro. Yeah, that's exactly right. We might Go have on to and uh, take a bow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to cue Rihanna right <laughs> no. there. Um, we'll save that for an iPod for hell. Moving, I guess we we probably need to do a little bit more research back and work out who we're going to give the. Uh, yeah, we, we'll put the, it. We might maybe put a list of winners up on Twitter. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, to HB, the yeah. HB pencil. Fucking 
Winnie Frodo yeah. as I like to call him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Perhaps not, not quite as bad as his uh, punch of the air, thinking he'd won the game in the derby yeah, oh. when there was the small matter of Nick Nananui still on the line to clear, which was never going to happen. <laughs> yeah, Nick Nananui punching the ball into the post. Yeah. By some bizarre rule, him thinking that either one of those constituted yeah. that it was a goal. I'm not quite I, sure. I don't know whether that what was, he was like thinking, a, but I think, you know, he thought scores were level or, yeah. <laughs> or what was going on there. But Well, yeah, and the fact that the umpire let him run in five metres yeah, as well. But too. we won't worry about that. And that's but not even getting into the disgraceful decision being paid immediately before it. Mm. Um, yes. The delib. Yeah. <laughs> the thing you see like 15 times a game that yeah. invariably doesn't get rewarded with eight seconds to go, Mr. Margetts trying to make a name for himself. Mm-hmm. Well, he, he has made a name for himself yeah. across Eagles fans. Three, <laughs> yeah, three votes. D. Yeah. Margetts. D. Margetts. That's the one. Yeah. Um, so, well, well I mean, stuff. I guess getting back on track, the cost of living allowance. Oh. I mean, look, I'd be considered, I'd be considerably more pissed off if they took Jack Gunston, who's mm. now, I think that granny has just established himself as the, as the number one key forward at Hawthorne, mm. whether or not Buddy played on next year. Um, and I think it was, it was good to see it happen too, because there was a shot he missed late in the game last year for which he copped a little bit of flack when. And to me, the the real culprit of that was one L. Franklin, ironically enough, who wasn't man enough to actually take the set shot from about 45 out and instead decided to pass it to the first-year player who was buried deep in the pocket. But I thought he was a bee's dick away from winning the Norm Smith. Um, yeah. And I mean, look, if, if Ross Lyon had kept um, Zach Clark on the field, he may well have won the Norm Smith. Yeah. Um, to, to, to put it bluntly, I mean, he only lost it by one vote in the end as it was to but yeah. as I say, getting back on topic to the oh, cost right, of living right, allowance. Right. Tell me, living... we, we've got to talk about what? it. It's... What is there to talk about, really? It's shit. It's a <laughs> shitty rule. And they yeah. should have canned it once they nabbed Kurt Tippett last year. And instead, they've left it in place. So, mm. I mean, I just hope they're paying through their teeth for a guy who won't be playing for the last five years of his contract. That's yeah. all I have to say for it. Yeah, reckon... it's, it's just a crap rule. There is, yeah. there is no real intelligent discussion to have on it. Mm. And... Well, I mean, the, the, if you're going to apply it, apply it properly, which means that Perth would have a similar rate to Sydney. Oh, uh, yeah, but we've got two teams and we're not competing with rugby, so... Yeah, well, more to the point is that they know that they're going to get our money irrespective of whether we're competitive or not. Yeah. Whereas in these rugby states... Yeah, yeah. Just just call it what it is. It's a Sydney must remain competitive fund. Yeah, at all costs, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, the Duff man was spot on the money in the West with an article on this the other day, and in fact, he... To tie it back to what I was just saying, he said that um, Sydney need a cost of living allowance about as much as Hawthorne's Jack Gunston needs to work on his goal kicking. Mm. <laughs> it, it's a joke. Yeah, well, um, I mean, when Adrian Anderson comes out and says that you don't need it, I think that's a that tells you everything. Although that you need could to just be right part yet. of his lover's tiff with Demetri, yes. which which I'm just loving, by the way, the way that's <laughs> playing out. Um, no, it it stinks. It's a it's a stupid rule. It's not needed. It shouldn't be in place. If any thing you could understand them trying to make some sort of allowance like that for GWS in yeah. order for them to attract new talent and to get guys um, I guess staying with the club yeah. um, rather than oh, just coming right. over which there was, and moving back which was but, kind of how it worked for Brisbane in the early 2000s yeah and that's somewhat justifiable but I mean Sydney Sydney they just don't need it yeah. and it's a pretty it's 
it's a pretty poor sign when you're having to let a team bend you over backwards like this just in order for them to be a viable um, prospect. Going well, that's to- right. I mean, how do the... Uh, I you know, don't know any off the top of my head, but how would, say, a Western Bulldogs supporter think about stuff yeah. like this? There's, tradi- well, there's a few traditional clubs mm. that are I've just getting royally... Melbourne who are just royally getting work. raped yeah. by this. Yeah. Oh, it's a North Melbourne fan. Jeez, I feel yeah. sorry for him. Jeez, yeah. the tears must be flowing. Gregory Ava, a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> we salute you, but it might be fine. Time to find a new team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll give you an idea if if you're uh, if you're coached by the the uh, the lesser quality mm. Scott. It's certainly not a good sign. And no. extending their contract, really. Cavalca- cavalcade of failure. Just, yeah. just go there. Yeah. So speaking of coaches. Yeah, we've uh, we brought Homer on board at the Eagles. Yeah, you have. And uh, first, his first uh, motion is uh, well, I guess the first motion after the appointment. Mr. Burns packing up and heading off. Yeah. Back to the nuclear power plant in Collingwood. <laughs> yeah. So uh, no, it's that's a nuclear fallout. So yeah. <laughs> nuclear power plant. So, uh, but what did you make of that? I mean, I was I was well, very glad they went with Simpson instead of Sumich. Um, but by the same token, I was quite disappointed. Pointed um, that West Coast lost, lost Scott Burns. How long have I got? To uh, this? Uh, uh, How are you? We'll start the clock, and right. I'll give you a five minute warning. Five minute warning. Okay. Yeah. Look. I loved the fact that they, well, supposedly, well, I love the fact that they put Clarkson in their in their sights because I thought he would be the perfect coach for the West Coast Eagles. I think there's a lot of clubs who think Clarkson would be the perfect coach yeah, probably, for them right now. Probably but... every every club, <laughs> rather than Fremantle, yeah. I think would be potentially saying that. Yeah. But um, look, he's he's exactly the type of guy that they that they needed to get into there. So um, I mean, when it, when it was, became pretty clear that it was down to basically Sumich and Simpson. I wasn't really fussed either way. I could have accepted either of them as the coach, but my preference was Simpson. Yeah. I just like the fact that he's he's come from two environments in the past that have been previously very successful. Mm-hmm. He's a he'd be, he's a noted leader. Leader. Yeah, even. them too. <laughs> A noted leader at, at, at North at the time. I just won. Yeah. I just hope that he's left Boris the chicken in uh, in Melbourne. Yeah, um, I don't think that. Although I think that 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 in itself was more an indication of his leadership. He took the fall for a lot of junior guys who yeah. probably were not equipped. Oh, and that to that, do that was a real, the ultimate storm in a teacup at the time. But, that one. But, that too. But yeah. um, look, he's only been I think an assistant coach for three or four years at Hawthorne, but he'd been doing an apprenticeship while he was playing I think that he's he was very impressive in his first press conference I think it's very clear that he's not somebody who's going to be a, an overlord of the organisation in many ways which was kind of the failing of the past regime I think that the people who are coming in will well and truly have their say I think that the the thing that worries me about the appointment and there's only one thing that worries me about the appointment is that if he's not successful how quickly he might get run out of town. I hope and I pray that they're smart and they give him a fair crack and they're patient and let him build the infrastructure within his own support staff but also within the team itself to to become successful. They're not anywhere near a premiership country. That's what what they have to acknowledge at the moment is that their window is not open right now and that they're actually now back in a And I actually think that people were kidding. I mean well we discussed this in our preview. People were kidding 
kidding themselves if they thought they were better than Fremantle, yet alone mm. some of the other teams on the East Coast. Yeah. Um, so I, I like it for that reason. Burns, I could look, apparently he does well. It's very hard to gauge what an assistant coach actually yeah. does, to be perfectly frank about it. But the, I mean, well, the reality is, is that the area of the team that really performed the worst this year was the midfield. And he was essentially the senior assistant and the midfield coach. Mm. That's probably not a re-endorsement of what he was actually doing. Mm. So I also think that it, it's, it's, it is actually better for the club a little bit to have a, a clean out of, of those, those people so that the new people can come in with no preconceived notions or ideas. That's why I, and one thing that did disturb me from the original press conference was hearing that he was actually going to have a chat to Worsfold. I hope that that's, you know, he's not... Along the lines of, can I have the keys to the office? Cool. Thanks, mate. Yeah. <laughs> if it's catch, catch up with you at the reunion. Anything, anything more than that, I'd be a little bit worried yeah. because um, and the, the coach who, the assistant coach who they lost that I was actually the most disappointed in them losing was David Teague. Okay. Who was coaching the back line. I actually thought the, the back line spent significant chunks of the year without their, their best... I don't think they had their best eight... Uh, the best eight, sorry, their best six out yeah. there at any stage this year. And I thought that under the sheer weight of numbers and the sheer lack of pressure of the ball coming in, I thought that some of those guys and the, the structure itself was actually doing the best that it could. Yeah. I mean, Glass and McKenzie were fantastic. I think that some of the guys who they had stopped gapping in there were doing reasonable jobs as well. There certainly wasn't the, the level of equality of, of players there. You know, he would have liked to have had Waters. He would have liked to have Hearn. He would have liked to have had Butler. And yeah. I doubt Waters those and guys, Hearn were the big two. Yeah, I, mean. I doubt that those guys... Yeah, well, I mean, Waters coming off of an All-Australian year, of yeah. course, but... I mean, the biggest thing for me, the, uh, the, the reason I was really glad they went with Simpson was just because I think they needed a Victorian. They yeah. needed a completely someone coming in... Ex- from you know an external and rather than a past club great you know who's I might, I might yeah. just jump in yeah. there because there's another point that's actually really important that I'm glad you mentioned that's triggered my mind I think that we've um, as a club particularly within our recruiting staff we've kind of been a little bit too insular with our, with our thinking and having a Victorian come in who's going to have a better understanding of I guess the, the fringe Victorian players as well as guys who are in the VFL who are performing quite well as well. It's it's yeah. something that we, we I don't think that we've really been able to, to pick the seeds out of those places yeah. as well as we perhaps should have over the past three to four years. So bringing somebody in from the East Coast, there's some benefit associated yeah. with that as well. So sorry, I just thought that that's a really important yeah. point. No, I, it's make. the Bill Laurie, Laurie argument. And he's a Victorian. Mm. <laughs> but uh, I think, yeah, just Sumich would have been, I mean, he worked for a reasonable amount of time under Warsfold and Another former club great, another former you know club premiership player. I just think it would have been too much just keeping it in house. I think they really need that sort of external perspective to come in and to potentially shake things up. I I made no qualms about this, and this is why I said I wasn't really bothered either way. I think that Sumich has the potential to be an excellent head coach. I just don't think that he should do it at the Eagles. Yeah, but I mean the problem now we have is that as you say, if next year comes and goes and the Eagles don't make the finals. Does does Sumich then you know sort of loom large in in Simpsons rearview mirror? I mean, would they? 
well, consider dumping Simpson for Seamus. They've can, well, they've committed to him supposedly for three years. He signed mm. a three-year deal, so you'd hope that they're going to give him the three years. Yeah, um, you would. Uh, so, I mean, the thing about West Coast is they have... I think they actually have the best win-loss ratio of any team in the AFL in terms of over their history. Um, so it's a club that they're very used to success. Yeah. Um, and it's the demand and that's, and of that's, them. That's so. a big concern of mine is, is that once again, people radically overestimate where we are. Yeah. I think if he gets... I mean, the the other thing is is that there could be a very distinct haloing effect happen next year as well. Finishing 13th, they're going to get a softer draw without yeah. a shadow of a doubt next year. And off of keeping the, the, the core guys relatively fit and the softer draw, they probably would, would have trampled back into the eight anyway with mm. zero improvement. Yeah. So I think it, you, you'll once again hear the, hear the talk of, oh, the Eagles are back, X, Y, Z, A, B, C. The reality is, is that the Eagles haven't beaten anybody of note away from Patterson Stadium since well, 2007. It's funny when you bring that up. I think that's the number one thing they need to do next year is learn to win at home again, is learn to turn that into a fortress well, again because this year everyone came over and beat yeah, this year. Look, the, as a interstate, i.e. non-Victorian club, there's there's two things you have to do. Is you've virtually got to take 10 of your 12 at home. Yeah, which there's, is, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult because you'd have to say they'll lose both derbies mm. straight up where, where, with well, where Fremantle I, I, I are right say, now. I, derbies are always a 50-50 proposition. Yeah. So you, okay. you, you're conceding one before you start. Yeah. But the reality is, is that it may well be two. Mm. But, yeah, interstate clubs, are, I've always said you, they, they kind of have to win 10. They have to absolutely nail all the bad teams away from yeah. home. And then they've pretty much got to go 50-50 in all of the other games yeah. in order to in order to go deep. But to go 50-50, that means you're going to have to take some of these big clubs down. Without a shadow of a doubt, well, they're certainly due to be doing so, next year they're definitely going to have to be playing, I would suspect, Geelong at Simmons Stadium yep. and Sydney in Sydney, I mean, Please call a card in your path. Please. <laughs> But, they get, but yeah. they're due to play both of those teams there, and they will probably, I would imagine, be playing Hawthorne in Tasmania as well. Yeah. So there's probably three games. Well, uh, two that I suspect are definitely going to happen. If we're well, saying they did 50, play 50, Hawthorne twice this year, though. They did, but, so. yeah. But um, the, the year previous, they played them once, and it was here. No, okay. no actually, that's no, not right either. No, they played them twice then, yeah. too. I'm yeah, sure. but, um, yeah. yeah, they did. You're right. Sorry. Mm. Um, but, uh, well, but either way, those I mean, types, you've got I'm Geelong just saying, and Sydney it's, it's, away from home. Exactly. Those types of games, you've got to take one of those. And mm. as I said, they haven't taken a significant scalp away from home since 2007. Yeah. So that's something else that they absolutely have to do in order to for me to start taking them seriously. <laughs> But I look. I, I think as long as they give him the three years to build and grow what he's looking to do, he, there's mm. there has to be a list for replenishment. It's good to yeah. see that they've started that process. But Cox, Kerr, Glass, yeah, all I was these just guys. Say those three names probably yeah. have two years max left. I suspect that oh, I mean, two of them Kerr probably only have one. Yeah, and I, I made the call that I thought Curry had 10, 10 games max left AFL yeah. already. It might be that has I might have been overstating it by ten. Yeah, has he announced his um, opinions, his, uh, what he's planning to do next year? The, the scuttlebutt is that he wants to play on but his knee's not going mm. to be able to, to cope. He's been
been ruled out by the the doctors, but they they're seeking a second opinion. Yeah. So because that was what I had heard. I mean, his he career could, may well. Yeah, that's be right. Done. I mean, he could well be done. Yeah. Tomorrow. So uh, I just yeah look as long as they're patient, they give him time to to build the list the way that he wants and to implement Six his game plan. Yeah. yeah. I think that that's um, I think that that's important. So I'm not expecting a hell of a lot from them next year. They may get to the bottom of the eight, as I said, mm. just based on the, the fact softer that draw. softer draw plus less injuries, but they they kind of have to rebuild in certain extent. Their depth is not that great, mm. and there are still some pr- pretty significant holes in their team that need to be addressed. So if you're looking at the draft this year, they'll have a reasonably high pick. Is that, is it pick pick six, six, I think, yeah. yes. Who, <laughs> picks, who... There's a funny pick six story we might talk about later on with regards to uh, to Matt Schaub in Houston. But anyway, yeah. pick six is not necessarily a good thing, particularly if you're talking NFL. Oh, okay. And the uh, the history of the AFL bar the last three or four years is that it's a little bit of a death trap pick oh. as well. But so who would you say should be top of their list? Pick six um, should be well and truly be best best available midfielder. Yep. Um, and whether that's... A, and I think that ideally the midfielder would have two of these three traits. One, that they would be a big-bodied midfielder. You look at, um, I guess you look at the Fremantle model, you see the Mundys, the Barlows and the Fifes of the world mm. who are, you know, 188 plus. You look at the Eagles midfielder, I think our tallest midfielder or standard midfielder is probably in the 183, 184 mould. Yeah. So they need they, they probably need a, a bigger-bodied midfielder. Yeah. Um, they need somebody who's either going to have, I think it's one of either line breaking pace or clean hands and clean disposal inside the contest. Yeah. So do any do any players leap out? You well, the, like- the names that get thrown around are the Dom Sheeds, Blake Akers, Marcus Bontempelli, these type of guys. Pick six, they should be able to get one, a player that fits that. Yep. The I guess are the three components of play that fits two of those things quite easily. They may well strike it rich and get lucky and actually get all three. But um, I think that part of the part of their challenge at the moment. So I've, I talked about this is that whilst Pritis is elite at winning a contested ball, it's what happens after that point that's that's a big part of their problem. And that they really need to try and find a way to to phase him out. Plus, given the fact that Curry's probably not going to go on needing somebody who. Can and fill in that type of role. So the two local boys, Sheed and Acres, seem to be the the more logical picks for them. Yeah. Um, there is talk that both of those guys, if they're not picked by the Eagles at six, could well fall into the around the dozen point, around point twelve. So ideal result if the Eagles could trade their first and second round picks and get two picks in the lower, you know, in the lower double digit area, yeah. they could they could certainly go a lot further to. Um, to improving their stock. I think yeah. that's, if I was, yeah, I, I think that, you know, they need pace and they need big mids. So hopefully that's their, their strategy is addressing those needs. And to be honest, I mean, that's probably the easier type of player to yeah, draft for compared that's, to, say, a key forward. Well, that's exactly defender. right. It's just, 
that you look at, uh, you look at a team like Carlton. I was trying to think of another example because you re- you always will Carlton out <laughs> in these situations. Is that yeah? It's much easier to find me, and I think that it's easier to plug and play a midfielder too. Yeah. Is you can have eighteen and nineteen year old midfielders who come in and can be effective right from the get go. Whereas yeah. the key position players, unless they're very very special, it's not until they hit their early twenties where yeah. you start seeing something meaningful. Build their body mass up. Yeah, well that's as well. Yeah. When they're playing, yeah. So in positions. that's the thing. It's as you say, it's probably the easiest area to recruit. But it's with that in mind, it also becomes the easiest area to botch your pick yeah. if you if you do it wrong too. So yeah. I mean, look, I, I must admit, I'd I'd like to see them in uh, to become a lot more aggressive, both with regards to trading, but also with free agency. But they seem it concerns me a little bit that they feel, I guess, through their lack of action or lack of activity in that space, that they're comfortable with what they have mm. but I don't see it yeah. and as I say there everybody kind of goes well they were competitive they finished in the top four in 2011 they were there around the marks again in 2012 but it was it was wallpapering over the cracks mm. there are a lot of reasons why that happens the fact that they were actually at that particular point was yeah. not one of them yeah a lot <laughs> of things everything were, fell well, in their favour yeah absolutely that's right and I mean reality is and I said this at the time I think that 2011 was a race in three and the Eagles just happened to be the best of the rest mm, yeah. and the the way the cards fell it fell perfectly for Juwan because they basically got to play the Eagles yeah. in a uh, in a prelim game and Podsy had they got injured for them in the granny when mm. he was on the verge of costing them the match yeah <laughs> Reference back, Leon Davis medal. <laughs> so, um, so ex- yeah, I'll, I'll expand other... on uh, pick six. Well, while oh, I yeah. remember, Matt Shaw, the uh, the Houston Texans quarterback. We're uh, we're five weeks into the to the NFL season, and he's uh, managed to do something during these first five weeks that nobody else has ever done in the history of the game, which is throw um, four consecutive in four consecutive weeks throw interceptions that turned into touchdowns for the opposition, and not not the type of thing. That you want to be doing Again, if you want to keep stepping down his game. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I think that the, the the reason why I brought it up and the, the the thing that I thought was quite hilarious was the uh, the Houston Burger restaurant that had a, a pick ship uh, a pick six Schaub special, which was basically <laughs> a deal breaker. <laughs> well, no, it, the, on the menu it was akin to a deal breaker. Yeah. It was you could pick any six toppings, but you would be paying heavily for it later. <laughs> 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 yeah. So. A damn pick six. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, oh, yoga boy. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I, I must admit, you know, the I, I like to, uh, to to needle the Americans every now and then, but creative things like that, you've yeah. got to love. We, we yeah. dip our lids. Yeah. Speaking of dipping lids, I'd like to give a big shout out to Rafa Nadal, who's worked his way back to the top of the world rankings. Um, things were looking pretty pretty dicey for him about this time last year uh, in terms of his mm. knees. I mean, he's he's clearly on borrowed time. I think. I mean, the guy's competitive spirit and will to win is second to none. I mean, if you put mm. that that drive and that determination in Roger Federer's, uh, I guess, style of play and um, you know, complete lack of any injuries, then he probably would have won 40 Grand Slams by now. Um, but a huge shout-out to him when just when he thought perhaps he was almost done. Um, well, he, he's come back 
magnificently this year. He won a swag of titles before um, the French. Then, yeah, won his record-breaking eighth French Open uh, and also triumphed at the US Open, which had traditionally been his, his worst perform, performing Grand Slam, I would have said, on the hard courts. But, yeah, clinched both those Grand Slams this year and um, is back to number one mm. where he belongs, which is very good to see. And another uh, great t- tipping his lid potentially for the the final time as well announced this week Sachin Tendulkar finally took the advice of the Pope and Mm. (laughs) yeah even the Pope retires before Sachin yeah I mean I was having a debate with one of my mates about this uh, Mickey J who was of the opinion that he's a definite all time great and that would make you know an all time world 11 and and those sorts of things Mm. in my opinion Tendulkar Maybe has for a point in India, he would. Yeah, Tendulkar has irreparably damaged his legacy by playing on for the last two years. Um, what appeared to be in search of that ridiculous hundredth hundred, and I don't think it could have been more appropriate than him bringing it up in a game that they actually lost to Bangladesh. I think that spoke volumes about it. Um, his average, he had a bumper year in 2010, uh, but 2011 he averaged 47, and then in the last two calendar years he's been averaging in the 20s and 30s. I think anyone without his commercial pulling power would have been dropped a long time ago. Mm. And I think, I mean, I made the comment during the week that a lesson to all kids is that you should do a hus, and that is um, do a hus, not a tendulka, which yeah. is have them asking why are you retiring, not why haven't you retired. Yeah, no, I, I was actually just about to do that callback. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, thanks for uh, stealing <laughs> my thunder there. Oh, it's what I do, mate. Yeah. Hey, uh, what it was from my email though. Yeah, but, um, yeah. I remember Michael Jordan. Infamous quote from Michael Jordan was: "The day I stop improving is the day I walk away from the game." I think it's a great quote. But yeah, um, and yeah it's it's a very important point. Is is that if people are asking you why you haven't done something, it's probably too late. And if yeah. people are asking you why you're doing it at that point, then you're probably doing it at the right time. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah. What? How does he sit in the pantheon of? Um, I guess you know your your Bradmans and your Calluses and your Pontings and your Laras and your Steve Wars and all these sorts of you know great names that get thrown around in terms of batting greats. How? Where does he sit for you? I mean, I throw Bradman into the mix because a lot of Indians rate him ahead of Bradman, which to me is the most laughable claim you could possibly make and a sure way to um to shoot down your own cricketing credibility in one fell swoop. I mean that's heresy. Um, yeah, it is. It really is. <laughs> let's let's face it. Yeah, you know. I mean that that's uh... the guy averages a you know almost almost twice as many runs per innings. So mm. to say yeah to say that he's on par or ahead of Bradman is yeah. is a joke. But and I, I mean, mean I, I, look and I. I I talked about haloing a bit earlier on and I can't help but feel that there's been, with batting in particular in recent times, that there's been a fair chunk of haloing on batting averages as well. And that's a big part of the reason why it's really difficult to compare averages across time. Mm. Um, Well, let me me put it this way. If you're picking a World eleven, do you pick Lara or Tendulkar? To be honest, I'd probably pick neither. No, no, no. But I mean, if you you had to choose between the two, because those are the two 
two contemporaries. I mean, in terms yeah. of the 90s, you had Lara Tendulkar and Steve Waugh, you know, were thrown around as the three batting greats of that generation. Um, I think just in terms of, See, of flair and ability, um, I think Lara and Tendulkar are sort of just a notch ahead of Waugh. Yeah, it's, kind of, it's, it's, it's the reason it's why like, I'm struggling that, uh, and I stand by my statement, I'd actually pick neither. Yeah, no, they're not um, mine either. Episode two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I would, it, it kind of would come down to who else was in the team. I mean, I consider Lara a more legitimate match winner than Tendulkar. But I think that Tendulkar can probably temper his game to the situation a little bit better than Lara did. So it's, it, it, it's probably a situational decision for me. Yeah. I would think that if I'm picking if I'm picking a best eleven, I would kind of err to if that was my choice, I would probably err towards the guy who could win you a game in a yep. session. So I would probably err towards Lara. Yeah, but for me, it's a very it's a very simple decision. It's about how many games did the guy practically win off his own bat. Yeah. and I think Lara did that. I mean, particularly in that '99 series, Steve was Steve Wars first yeah. series as captain, where it was basically a. Australia versus Lara, and it mm. finished as a two-all draw. And I mean, the, a big part of the reason why I wouldn't pick either of those guys in my World Eleven is, is that, as far as I'm concerned, they both ran away from the greatest challenge of all. And you know, Ponting would escalate, in my personal views, irrespective of my views on him in this role. But Ponting was happy to embrace the captaincy. Those two shunned, shunned, yeah. shunned themselves. They were, they ran away from it as quickly as they possibly could. Yeah. And that, you know, it counts as a bit of a black market. It does, them. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I think that, you know, in, they should, because of who they were and what they had, they should have been leading from the front. Yeah. And I mean, the other thing about Lara is, I mean, people talk about the 277 he made in Sydney. People mm. still talk about the 153 he made. You know, he played these innings of such sheer brilliance mm. that they are rated as some of the greatest innings of all time. Yeah. I don't think Sachin Tendulkar ever played um, a great innings like that. You'll have to forgive my ignorance here, but I, I, I think the answer to this is not very high. How many double hundreds does he have in Test cricket? I, I believe he has one. Yeah, I can only think of one myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which was against Australia in yeah, Sydney, where they batted for too long, so he could get. Yeah, it. and um, where, where I think Brad Williams and and Co. from memory were yeah. our bowling attack as well. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean, that's as I say, I, I would pick neither. But if I yeah. if I was told I had to pick one, I probably would. Would have picked Lara. Yeah. Mm. But as I say, conditions would play a role yeah. there. In India, I'd pick Tendulkar. Yeah, I mean, look, to be honest, the, the, one of the biggest things that just sticks in my craw about him is the irrational hero worship mm. that he gets in India. And I don't I, think I, it's I something don't... that he asks for. I mean, he tries. He does seem to try and um, kind of, you know, separate himself from it as much as possible. It's certainly, I don't think it's something he, he asks for. No, but and I don't, I don't really understand it. Um, I mm. think in terms of their batting greats, I mean, I think someone like Rahul Dravid or mm. even... Um, Sonny Gavaskar, you know, I think there is so much more that would count in their favour to warrant that level of um, yeah. ad- adoration. And I mean, the um, funny the funny thing is, is that Dravid would probably be closer to my best 11 than Tendulkar. Yeah. And a part of that is because he could play... Because he plays a different role. He I mean, plays if multiple... You just, if you're just looking for run machines throughout yeah. the history of the game and you've got so many other names, you know, even, even someone like uh, Headley or 
or a yeah. Barrington or someone like mm. that, you could easily have in in front of Tendulka. Mm. Um, so yeah, I I just and it's the same thing happens now with MS Dhoni. Yeah, as I read somewhere in the week in and, India, and there I mean, is no cow more sacred than MS Dhoni's wicket keeping mm. in terms of the official commentary team. And I get the I get the feeling that um, the guy who I when I talked about my least favourite athletes, which we've never recorded, <laughs> we should do that one day. Yeah. Virat Kohli, I think, is heading oh, into that territory the as well. Fucktard in world cricket. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I when I threw his name up when we were spitballing it, I didn't get too many people disagreeing no. with me. I think I had uh, universal uh, yeses yeah. across the board. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. But so, yeah, he's going. I mean, and I did read a good tweet on it, which is that they've moved heaven, hell, and... Heaven... uh, Moved hell, high water, and South Africa (laughs) in order to make this happen. Yeah. I still don't think that's right. Uh, Apologies to Dan Bredig. I think I've just butchered your tweet, but... (laughs) Yeah. Whatever it was. Jump on my Twitter feed. I'll follow him. You can find him somewhere. Yeah. That's at Dan the Action Man. You should probably just be retweeting what he said. That's probably the easiest one. I I don't like to retweet, though. Uh, I'd rather... Keep my own original tweets and then just follow other people's rather than retweeting. I don't have a big enough audience to retweet, okay? Once I get this, you know, huge fan base on Twitter, then I'll start throwing my my Crick Info dogs a bone and retweeting some of this stuff. I'm just going to sit there and say, you know, maybe you need to to go with at Sachin or at the little master or something like that and... You know, put uh, a picture of him up and you'll, you'll have hundreds of Indians following you. Oh, no come question. on, I've got the double fist pump with the sparklers right now. You can't top that picture. Duh. No, that's it. GJ's pissed me off, so I think we're going to wrap this episode up right now so I can storm out virtue of fluttering. <laughs> that's um, right. And maybe send a tirade of tweets. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Fuck you, Marlon. <laughs> Sorry, GJ. <laughs> Damn it. Uh, forget it. Look, I'm going to sign off for now. Later, skaters. <laughs> Later, Hudson.